1: The teaching of Scripture is without value if it does not cause us to leave our sin. I have puzzled so over this, and my heart has been so disturbed. How is it that men and women can be so casual about Jesus so casual about they're not winning the lost so utterly casual that there's no fire there's no interest there's no burning in their heart to get right with God what's the cause of this and how do we begin to deal with it now in all frankness Most of us will never leave our hiding place unless we are forced out into the open. And if the teaching of Scripture does not force us out into the open, where the Holy Spirit can have something to get a hold of in our hearts, we will be lost. When I hear men and women say, Oh, I'm saved. I am deeply troubled. What do they mean by the phrase, I am saved? We're going to talk about that today. I'm glad you've joined us. Please listen to the whole broadcast carefully and prayerfully. It is our intention to uncover every hiding place and call you to come out into the light, and be transformed and filled with the power of God. Now in the studio today with me for Pilgrim's Progress is my wife, Alexandra.
2: Welcome. Thank you for joining us today.
1: We are glad you've joined us, but I'm fearful for you. I'm fearful for every person who will hear this message. Because after hearing this message if you don't come out into the open, your heart will become even more hard and calloused. It is our intention to speak to you with kindness, but in such a manner that you will turn from every worldly comfort and walk with a sensitive, honest heart with Jesus Christ, obeying him, not walking in sin. Let's pray as we begin. Lord Jesus, I've watched these many years and the gospel is spoken about, teachings are given, but there seems to be almost no humility of heart, almost no eagerness, almost no sacrificing and laying down of one's life. Lord, I hear the words, but I don't see the actions. I pray today that that will change. Lord, would you come in the power of your spirit? Would you come in revival power and uncover us? Any part hidden from your your truth? I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was awakened in the very early hours of this morning and began to pray for you and for this broadcast, and I heard refuge of lies. I want to read for you the scripture from the book of Isaiah. I'll begin in chapter 28, verse 15. And Isaiah speaks about this refuge of lies. He says, You boast. We have entered into a covenant with death, with the grave. We have made an agreement. When an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us, for we have made a lie our refuge and a falsehood our hiding place. And this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. I will make judgment the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away your refuge of lies and water will overflow your hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled. Your agreement with the grave will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it comes, it will carry you away morning after morning. By day and by night, it will sweep through. The understanding of this message will bring sheer terror. The bed is too short to stretch out on, the blanket too narrow to wrap around you. These are frightening words. You know the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. He has laid that cornerstone. He did so at the cross. And he announced the kingdom of God. And he also announced, let me read it for you, in Matthew, the sixteenth chapter. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. And then in Matthew, the 13th chapter, Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. And now he stops the parable, and he begins to speak very forthrightly about what will happen at the end of time. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. Well, what about those who claim that they have the grace of Jesus but they still walk in sin? Are they wicked? Well, yes, they are. But they claim the covering of the blood of Jesus. But the blood of Jesus never covers sin. It removes it. So if the sin is not removed, it's not covered. He goes on. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, we are going to be conscious and aware in our bodies, knowing that When the angel separates us from the righteous, if we are wicked, we will be bound at the judgment hand and foot, and the angels will carry you to the fire of hell and cast you in. Any man or any woman who does not seriously look at the question of, Am I saved? is a fool.
0: Spirit within me Sing it together. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Spirit within me. Close your eyes and worship. Create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart.
1: You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress and we apologize there was a technical error at the WAVA studios and we lost transmission with them. We're back. I don't know where we were cut off. So we're going to come back. We were sharing this incredible sermon by Charles Finney and we're going to begin at the beginning of this again. I pray you'll be able to hear this. I know this is not a message Satan wants you to hear. Pray for us.
2: On Refuges of Lies All men and women know that they are sinners against God. They also know that as sinners, they are not safe, but are in peril. Therefore, they are anxious to find some refuge for safety, they know they might find this to be an obstacle to forsaking sin and turning to the Lord, but they do not choose to forsake their sins. So there seems to be no convenient recourse but to hide themselves under some refuge. Our text, Isaiah twenty-eight seventeen, speaks of the refuge of lies. It is obvious that men who resort to lies for a refuge regard those lies not as lies, but as truth. This fact leads us to raise the primary fundamental question Do we have any rule or standard that will show what is truth and what is falsehood? Men have countless opinions about religion, and not all of them can be true. How then can we determine which are true and which are false? We have an infallible test. Let us examine this test Salvation to be real and available must be salvation from sin. Everything else fails. Any system of religion that does not break the power of sin is a lie. If it does not expel selfishness and lust for the things of the world, and if it does not generate love for God and man, joy, peace, and all the fruits of the Spirit, it is false and worthless. Any system that fails in this vital respect is a lie, can be of no use, and is no better than a curse. That which does not generate in us the spirit of heaven and make us like God, no matter where it originates or by what reasoning it is defended, is a lie. If it is fled to as a refuge, then it is a refuge of lies. Again, If it does not generate a spirit of prayer, does not unify us with God, and does not bring us into fellowship and sympathy with God, it is a lie. If it does not produce a heavenly mind, expel a worldly mind, and wean us from the love of the world, it is a lie. If it does not generate in us the love required in the scriptures, the love of God and of his worship and of his people, indeed, of all mankind, and if it does not produce all the states of mind that equip the soul for heaven, then it utterly fails in its purpose. Here I must stop a moment to notice an objection. Some people may say, the gospel does not in fact do for men all that you claim. It does not make professing Christians heavenly-minded, dead to the world, full of love, joy, and peace. Suppose you have a medicine that, when applied to a certain disease, will certainly cure. The medicine has healing power, but it must be applied. A man may buy the medicine, find it to be bitter, and store it away in his cupboard and never take it. He may also provide himself with a counterfeit to take in its place, or he may follow it with something that will instantly counteract its influence in the system. In any case, the effectiveness of the medicine is not disproved. He only proves that he has not used it fairly and honestly. So it is with the gospel. You must take it and use it according to the directions. Otherwise, its failure is not its fault, but yours. It is to no advantage, then, to say that the gospel does not save men and women from sin. It may indeed be counterfeited, it may be rejected, but he who receives it to his heart will surely find his heart blessed by it. The gospel does transform men from sin to holiness. It makes men peaceful, holy, and heavenly, in life and in death. Millions of such cases can be seen in the record of the world's history. Their lives demonstrate the reality and preciousness of the salvation That the gospel promises. Let us now examine some things that lack this decisive characteristic. They do not save the soul from sin, they are refuges of lies.
1: Speaking of what God's children will one day be, John said, We know that when He, Christ, is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3 A good hope purifies the heart, but certainly there are hopes that fail to purify the hearts of the people who hold them. These hopes are lies. They cannot possibly be sound and true. On their face it stands revealed that they are worthless, a mere refuge of lies. The stronger and more unwavering those hopes are, the more deluding they are. But there is no hope in Christ that does not bring the heart to Christ. And so if you have an unsanctified hope of heaven, that hope in heaven is a lie. If that hope does not sanctify your heart and cause you to purify yourself of every unclean thing and you say, I'm going to heaven, but in fact you live like the world, you simply have a refuge of lies. Or if you trust in an old experience, the old experience is a lie. I know of a man who many years ago went forward and confessed his faith in Jesus Christ. The problem is, he holds to that confession of Christ many years ago as his hope and expectation that he will go to heaven, but he has no current relationship with Jesus So this man, though claiming that he is saved, is lost. Self-righteousness is another of those refuge of lies. There are two forms of self-righteousness. There is the legal and the gospel, both of which are refuge of lies. The legal form of self-righteousness depends on the doing of duty, on always trying to work out salvation by deeds of the law. The gospel form sets itself to get grace by works. Men try to get a new heart, not by trying to turn from all sin, but by praying for it. A man once told me, I tried to become religious. When I asked him what he had done in his attempt to become religious, he replied, I prayed for a new heart. The trouble was that he did not do what God says he must do, and that is to make himself a new heart and a new spirit. See Ezekiel 18.31 He did not repent. He did not bow his heart to God. Therefore, all of his efforts came up short of what God requires. They failed to save his soul from sin. There's a great deal of this gospel of self-righteousness, this throwing off the responsibility onto God.
2: And now I want you to notice what God says. He declares, "...the hail will sweep away the refuge of lies." and the waters will overflow the hiding place. No doubt this hail is the symbol of God's displeasure. It is fitting that God should be displeased with these refuges of lies. He loves truth too well to have the least sympathy with lies. He loves the souls of men and women too deeply to have any patience with things so destructive. Therefore, God loathes all these refuges of lies, and he has solemnly declared that the hail will sweep them all away. The waters, he declares, will overflow the hiding place. Every resource that leaves the soul in sin is a hiding place. All religious artificiality is only a hiding place, none better than the other to put on the mere appearance of devotion and holiness as if God could be made to believe you are sincere and could not see through it all. This is a flimsy hiding place indeed. The same is true of all religious formality, going through the motions of worship, being in the church, being baptized, and so on. What comes of it all unless a person's piety is filled with life? And that life is the soul of real holiness. Many people hide in the church. Judas Iscariot crept in there to hide. A minister of the Dutch Reformed Church once told me of a certain case. A man who had been confirmed in that church was out at sea in a fearful storm. It was a time of intense alarm, and many who were with him were exceedingly fearful of death, as well as what lay beyond. When they said to him... Why are you so calm? He replied, What have I to fear? I belong to the South Dutch Reformed Church. Many hide under orthodox creeds. They are not Unitarians. They are not Mormons. They are not Universalists. They are orthodox. They think that religious opinions held so strongly will ensure their safety. Others hide under the plea of a sinful nature, They say they are naturally unable to do anything. Here, they have found a sure retreat. They are very willing to do their duty before God, but this sinful nature is all against them. Thus, what can they do? In fact, this is a refuge of lies. Some people dodge under believers' shortcomings. I fear there are many people like this in the church, But this hiding place will fail you in the day of trial, when the hail comes, and the storm arises fearfully, and when the awful thunder breaks with an appalling crash, you will try in vain to find that man, whose faults seemed to excuse your own, to hide under his wing. Where is he now? If he is as bad as you claim, how much can he help you in that all-devouring storm? If he is not as good as he should be, you ought to be better than he and not try to hide yourself under his shortcomings.
1: Sinners know they have refuges, but we must recognize that if they do not remove sin from our heart, they are a refuge of lies. If these things do not save men, They are lies. Certainly, you must see this and know it to be the truth. You must resort to these refuges not as being quite fully true, but as an excuse for delay. What a miserable deception. A man I spoke with last night. Alexandra, this is aside from the text. A man I spoke with last night knows of a very specific sin that he continues to walk in. He said to me, Pastor, I am trying, I am trying to quit this sin, but I'm not able to quit. That's a refuge of lies. He is well able to quit if he will stop his trying and be crucified with Christ and turn entirely to Jesus for his support. So this man is not being honest. And I said to him, you should not think it strange that you cannot overcome this sin. Now it's very clear If we live like Jesus lived, we will not walk in our sin. Now Finney continues, To seek a refuge of lies is to tempt God to destroy you. How can it be otherwise? Remember the test. A plain and simple principle. Only that which saves from sin is true. All else is false and ruinous. You have some hope in a happy future? What is this hope? Is it good or bad? Is it truthful and sure, or is it a refuge of lies? Does your hope sanctify you? Does it make you humble? Does it make you holy? Does it make you prayerful? Does your faith purify your heart? Do you have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering? Look at Galatians 5:22 20, and 23. Do you have daily communion with God? Are you so united to Him that you can say, truly, I have fellowship with the Father? Look at 1 John, the first chapter, verse 3. If so... This will be a hiding place indeed, not one that hail will sweep away, but one that will save your soul. Do you have the life of God in your soul? Does it pervade your heart and diffuse itself over all the chambers of your soul? Let nothing less than this satisfy your mind. Roman Catholics talk about the virgin and the sacraments, and the absolution. What are all these things? And a thousand more like them, good for if they do not save from sin. What is the use of running after these things that do not save? You know, Alexandra, we just had an experience where a person said, Every week in our church, we confess our sin and are absolved of our sin. How would you respond to that?
2: Well, I did respond to her by saying, yes, I know that because I've sat in on several of your services. And then I went on to talk about my study of early church repentance and also my own personal experience
1: And where did that take you?
2: I think she needed some time to think about it because she was an older woman and it was very new to her to hear that as a Christian she was required to stop sinning and she saw that this was totally at odds with her church and I think she was asking herself how could my whole church be wrong?
1: And as you've said That confession of sin is not a real confession. For you, what is a real confession of sin?
2: Are you asking about confession or about repentance? Both. Well, we know just from how we interact with, you know, our fellow men and women that if somebody says they're sorry and they keep doing the same thing, we know that they're not really sincere And they're not actually sorry. And so this is a way that helps us see when we are going to confess our sins to God, we have to actually stop doing that sin. So confession of sin is always specific because if you've sinned, you've done specific things. Your sins were committed one by one you did spe- you took specific actions that were sin against god and so that's what you need to apologize for it's not just a general oh forgive all my sins and again if you if you were to try to apologize to another person this way they wouldn't think you were sincere and sometimes this happens you know a couple might get in a fight and then a couple you know maybe an hour later one of them comes to the other person and says you know, I'm I'm sorry for everything I said that hurt you. Well, that's not really a very good confession because you're saying, well, what in particular are you sorry about? What did you say that you are sorry that you said? And are you going to say it again? So it's the same with God. We have to actually just be honest and take our take our full share of the blame of what we've done and lay that out, you know, not try to make any excuses for it, but lay it out in all its ugliness before God. And we have the promise that Christ will forgive us if That's we're willing confession. to do that. Yes.
1: And then, as you're saying, the next step is, I'm not going to do this again.
2: Yes. And making restitution is an important part of this. And there's nothing that really humbles the heart, like having to go to somebody you've wronged maybe you have stolen money from them for example and then or you've lied to them to go to that person and say I lied to you this is what I lied and this is the truth that's a very humbling experience and once you've done that you know a few times with different sins you're pretty much ready to never have to do it again <laughs> so it's a good yes. it's a good remedy
1: You say, I love to believe that everyone will be saved. It makes me so happy. But does it make you holy? Does it renew your heart? This is the only sure test. You say, I do not believe as you do, but here are all the facts. Are you in sin? Are you saved from your sin by your system of belief? If so, then it is well with you. If not so, then it is not well. Does believing a lie make it the truth? If you were to believe that you could walk on water or that water would not drown you and you leap overboard, Would your belief save you? (coughs) Dying sinner, all those refuges of lies will surely deceive and destroy you. It is time for you to arise and say, I must have Jesus. Not having Jesus, I cannot go where Jesus is. With a lie in my right hand, what can I hope for? None of you, I hope, have reached that forlorn state described by the prophet. A deceived heart has turned him aside and he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? Isaiah forty four twenty. Sinner There is a refuge for you that is not one of lies. There is a hiding place for you that no waters can reach to overwhelm. It lies far above their course. Take refuge in Jesus. Do away with those refuges of lies. Cry out. Give me Jesus and none other. Jesus and him only for what have I to do with lies and delusions. You need to come into such communion with Jesus that his power and presence and fullness will flow through your heart fully and freely and be in you a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life we've shared with you today a sermon by Charles Finney The Refuge of Lies I just I look at this and my heart is so troubled because almost everyone I meet almost everyone I know is casual about Jesus they don't talk about Jesus. They talk about sports or they talk about social events or they talk about entertainment. They don't talk about Jesus. And when I raise the topic and ask them questions, they're quite uncomfortable because they've made themselves hiding places, refuges of lies are you troubled by this Alexandra
2: I think it's very troubling that there are so many who it's not like they're honestly deceived the what's troubling is that it's a choice and I just shudder to think of what's going to happen at the end of time as this passage you read when the angels come to separate based on what we've done to separate the wicked and the righteous and I mean I for one don't take my salvation for granted and it troubles me when I see Christians involved in just utter blatant sins and they seem to think it's fine
1: they believe that they're saved and that they're allowed to continue walking in sin because, after all, how can you expect them to leave their sin? That seems unreasonable to them, that all of their sins, past, present, and future, they say were forgiven at the cross, and God loves them unconditionally, and so they're free to continue walking in their sin, and yet they consider themselves saved. I'm puzzled. If you're one of those who believe this, what have you been saved from? And perhaps you've become very religious and do many wonderful things for Jesus, you say. And yet when you go home, you sit in front of the television and drink in all of the sporting events You go home and drink in the entertainment of the world and play the violent video games of the world. But you say, I'm saved. But you are lost. And your religion will not save you. Your church attendance will not save you. Your heart is not on fire. Your heart is not eagerly seeking after Jesus. there must be a change if you are to enter into Jesus Christ. And I love what Charles Finney has said in this sermon that there is, I call it, the acid test. He called it an infallible test. Does what you believe, does what you do, break all power of sin over your life and allow you to live without sin, righteous in Jesus. If if what you believe and what you do does not set you free from sin and ignite your heart with love for Jesus and for the lost, then you too are lost and your religion will not save you. Let's take some time and pray. Almighty King, we've spoken honestly the word that you have given us for this broadcast. We have been interrupted by technical difficulties, for I know Satan did not want this message to go out. But Lord, you overcame, and I pray now that those who are still listening to this broadcast will carefully examine their hearts and if there is pride, arrogance, any uncleanness, any lusting after the things of the world, if there is malice, anger, bitterness, if there is lack of trust, if there is judgment, Lord, I pray you will quickly. Reveal this refuge of lies that they would understand that they are not saved and they must change what they are doing and they must make new choices about you Jesus for to come to you is to have the power of sin broken you came to save us from our sin Lord thank you I pray your blessing for each who's listening.
2: Father, I thank you for sending Charles Finney to the United States in the 1800s, Lord, as a real apostle for for your kingdom, and that we have his works preserved. Lord, I ask that as each person who's listened today, that as Finney said, they wouldn't immediately take something that would counteract what they've heard, but that they would act on it, Lord, with repentance as necessary, and that we would see fruit of revival coming out of this broadcast. Thank you, Jesus.
1: We're out of time for today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. We would very much like to hear from you. We're coming to the end of the month, and once more we'll need to cover the cost of the broadcast day by day I would ask that you would step forward as the Holy Spirit prompts you that this message could continue on air write to me at National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge Virginia 22195 or go to our webpage
2: com. That's NationalPrayerChapel.com You can listen to this message again as well as past messages of Pilgrim's Progress and you can also give online and we'd love to hear from you. Please write to us. You can send us an email through the webpage. You can send us a letter. We'd love to hear how this broadcast has changed your life.
1: And tonight will be a time of prayer at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge you can get that address from our webpage. God bless you. We love you.
2: God bless you. Great joy to the only God
3: Savior. Through Jesus Christ
2: Lots of channels. Nothing to watch. Especially if you're searching for the truth.